Well, we're starting a brand new series uh, this morning called Home Remedies. And by home remedies, we're not talking about, you know, granny special syrup. And uh, we're not talking about, as far as a home, we're not talking about, you know, bricks and mortar or, you know, whatever your house is built out of. Or you say, Pastor, I don't live in a house. I live in a trailer park. There's nothing wrong with a trailer park. I grew up in a trailer park, but I have to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with a trailer park. There was something wrong with my trailer park, okay? It just <laughs> explains a lot of things, doesn't it? But, um, but we're talking about your home as far as your family, your life, your marriage, uh, those relationships. And this is a very, very important subject. I believe it's near to the heart of God. I feel a lot of um, uh, prompting of the Spirit in this service uh, and in this series And so I'm very excited to see where we go with this today. Let's go ahead and pick up in Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. And again, this will be a series and we'll kind of get this launched today. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. And and let me real quick explain something about the Amplified Bible. It's a great work where they have actually taken some of the original language, Old Testament out of the Hebrew, New Testament out of the Greek, and they've expanded a little bit in the reading. And uh, it amplifies the meaning and it's it's a great help. Uh, So Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 in the Amplified Bible. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, and then look parenthetically here, a life, a home, a family. Everybody read that with me. A life, a home, a family. So that's what that word is meaning. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. And by understanding, it is established on on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area, notice that, of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Again, a life, a home, a family. It can be built. It can be filled. I love that idea of the chambers and rooms being filled with precious and and pleasant riches. Um, The purpose of this series is to get some hope for our families, some help for our families. If your family is like really messed up, some hope and some help. If, if everything is just wonderful at your place, then that, that this would help to preserve and increase the good things that are going on there. If it's a mix, if uh, you know, you're in a good season or bad season or whatever. But I want you all to zero in on this one thing here. Just let me get everybody's attention on this. This, no matter what your situation is, this is not a house of condemnation. I don't believe you're to come to church to get yelled at. Uh, and this is not a place there for you to come and get condemned. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe family is what not doesn't match the storybook that you had in mind when it all started. Uh, maybe things have gotten broken by other people. Uh, maybe there's been some disappointment, some pain, some dysfunction. Maybe everything is okay. But listen to me. This is the thing. I don't want you to exclude yourself and say, well, I'm just in a, I'm just in a mess. Here, here's the point. First of all, there's no condemnation. We are where we are. Will you say that? We are where we are. You may want to write that down because that's very deep right there. And to personalize it, you would just write, I are where I are. Okay, that will, that will help you. Uh, yes, I'm in a doctoral program. Uh, uh, but you are where you are. I like to put it this way. It's not what has happened until now. It's what happens from now that matters. Now, there's a lot of things I'm sure a lot of us would say. I wish that hadn't happened. I could have handled that better and so forth. But we are where we are. Say it again. We are where we are. And God is where we are. And God wants to help us from where we are so that things can be a little more in line, way more in line with, with what 
what he wants for our life, for our home, for our families. Can I get an amen on that today? So this is not a house of condemnation. It's a house of truth and a house of grace and a house of peace and a house of hope and a house of progress, hopefully, uh, for all of us. How many of you know that God knows where you live? Amen. Okay. Now, let me ask you a big question here, and it's just kind of rhetorical, but we'll answer it here. Here's the question. Guess who hates your home? Guess who absolutely hates your family? Any clues? The devil, the enemy of your soul, your adversary. He's a liar. Ultimately, he's a loser. And he's against everything that God is for. And he hates, you need to know this, he hates your home. He hates your family. You go, why would he hate us? You know, have you ever found out somebody didn't like you? Why would they not like me? If I was anybody else, I'd want to be my friend. <laughs> Let me tell you why the devil hates your home, hates your family. Because what a healthy, godly home will produce. And what a healthy, godly home will produce is this. Some strong, godly, confident, happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed people. And do you know what a lot of those strong, confident, godly, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed people will do? They'll have children. And so the devil, the enemy of your soul, hates your home and hates your family. Because if that home and that family is healthy and godly and strong, he hates what it will produce. He hates what it will produce. And so what he's out to do is to not just ruin the moment and not just ruin the present, but get this, but you've got to understand this truth. Truth endures to all generations. And what he's trying to do is to break some things up so that truth can't get to other generations. He's got to shut it down. He is committed to generations to make sure that it gets messed up. So he hates what could be produced in our families And also the fact that we would have children. Let me give you some technical words here for children. Mogget and Wagget. It's from the original Hebrew. No, they're not. No, they're not. It means you you go and they do the ultrasound. They go, uh, you're going to have a little baby boy. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have a Mogget. A man of God in training. Oh, you're going to have a little baby girl, a woman, a wagget, a woman of God in training. And I think we need to view that a little better than, I don't know, we had some kids. Hope I can train them good so they can mow the lawn. You know, there's, there's, I mean, even though there's some higher purposes here, okay? And ultimately, men of God in training. My, my oldest son, Lee, and, and uh, my daughter-in-law, Katie, they now have a mogget and a wagget. And I want to emphasize the last two letters there stands for in training, man of God in training. Some need a little more training. Yeah. How many of you are still in some training? <laughs> training. Yes, we all are. And so moggets and wagons, but the devil hates that. He hates that. And he's, he's against that. And he wants to do all that he can do to interfere with that. See, the, the enemy can take out a person here or there. And that's bad enough. But for him ultimately to succeed... He has to destroy homes. He has to destroy families. And it's important that I interject back in at this point too. This is not a house of condemnation. 
Because I am well aware of this many people here that there's some sad stories and some wrong stories. And, and let's go ahead and own up just a little bit. Yeah, and we probably didn't do that right and absolutely missed it on that one. And, or someone else did this or whatever. But we are where we are and God will meet you where you are. And he will help us from where we are and take us where we need to be. Amen. So our, our homes are ground zero. And that's the target. And the enemy has what I call a strategy of disintegration. Let's think about that word, disintegration. If you've ever watched something just disintegrate. Uh, sometimes they'll implode a building, an old hotel or, or something. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to watch. And they place certain things certain ways get it all ready. And then it, it just disintegrates. And the word disintegrate, watch me on this. Disintegrate means to disintegrate. What was integrated to disintegrate. Integrate that. It's to break down, to break up, to break apart the cohesion and to reduce to nothing. And that's what his strategy is, is to break down, to break apart, to break up the cohesion, to break it down, to separate the parts of it. Because in doing so, that's how he's able to cause it to come to nothing. And he's got a strategy. He's got a long list of, of tricks that he tries on that. And we'll, we'll kind of outline some of those in the weeks to come. Let's look a little bit at our enemy here. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. And that's the main thing you need to be. You don't need to be afraid. You need to be sober and be vigilant. Because your adversary, Greek word is antidikos, and it means that he's against you and he's against the cause. So your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And to that I say, you may not devour me and mine. Can I get an amen on that? In the book of John, Jesus referred to the devil as a liar and the father of lies and anything he would say is a lie. Second Corinthians 2 11, important verse. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Leave that verse up just for a second there. Lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. How can he take advantage of us? Only if we're ignorant of his devices. Do you hear that? If we're ignorant of his devices, then he can take advantage of us. So we're doing a series called Home Remedies so that he, we're aware of devices. We know that about this time there will be this, this left uppercut and we're prepared for the devices. Then we, then we can't be taken advantage of. Amen. Now, the list is long of the tricks that he would try and we'll look at those in the weeks to come. Let's go back to Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. We'll look at this in the New King James this time. Pay real close attention to some things here, and I'm going to compare this verse with something else. It says, Through wisdom, a house is built. Remember, that's a life, a home, a family. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Bear that in mind, and let's go back to Proverbs 3, verse 19 and 20. It says, the Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. Now, let me just make sure you're tracking right. Previous verse that we read said, through wisdom, a house is built. Through wisdom, a house is built. Now, we go a little further back and we see, the Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and the clouds dropped down dew. All right, follow this. What God used, pay attention to this, what God used to create a perfect world and paradise is the same thing that the book of wisdom tells us to use to build a life, a home and a family. And it is this wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. 
Again, we'll be in the know about something and the enemy cannot take advantage of us. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Say this with me. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Now, we're going to develop those words a little more as we go on later in the series. But it's important right now that we just know this. There are some things that we had better fully know to the point that we're able to apply them. There are some things that we better fully know to the points that we're able to apply them. And that will be wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Now, what that does then, that is what allows us to build a life, a home, a family, and to be able to furnish it, so to speak. And I'm not talking about furnishing uh, knickknacks and flat screens, okay? We're talking about the precious and pleasant riches that would be in all the chambers and rooms of our life, our home, our family. So we're going to look at a number of things this morning that every one of us can go home today and be able to apply. And so no matter what's going on at your place, these are some things that you're going to be able to take home and apply. Now, what wisdom, knowledge, and understanding do, they produce something in us. And let's, let's read a little further in Proverbs 24. Look in verse 5 with me. It says, a wise man is what? Could you say that strong? A wise man is strong. Is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge does what? Increases strength. So this wisdom and knowledge and understanding, which is part and parcel of that, are going to bring about strength in our life. Let's look at this in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 21, a principle that Jesus uh, shares. And he says this, when a what? Strong man. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. So what happens is home's going to be okay. Things are going to be safe. Things are going to be well furnished. Things are going to be, and again, I'm not just talking about your house and furniture. I'm, t- I'm talking about a life, a home, a family. But there has to be some strength. And the strength comes from wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We've got to know some things to the point that we can apply some things. And those are the things that are going to make a difference. The prophet said this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So often it's what we don't know. The other thing is this, things we know, but we don't do them. And so that's why we're going to fully know these things to the point that we apply them in our life. So let's start out. uh, I just want to give you three things this morning to get us started in this series. And the first one, come on, you know, you love it when I draw. Number one, You've got to get God in your house. Everybody say, get God in your house. Oh, well, pastor, we're a Christian, and I regularly spend money at Hobby Lobby and decorate with Christian things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting God in your house. Well, I'm the only Christian at my house. It doesn't matter. You've got to get God in your house. And there's a point where you, where you need to just say, Jesus, this is your place. This is your place. This address is your place. And get God in your house. And, the, and, and let's just say that maybe your situation is not everybody is excited about you being a believer as you are in your home. Maybe you've got people that are unbelievers in your home or, or you know, s- cynical, skeptical, whatever it would be. Um, and you're saying, well, I don't know how to get God in my house with them in there. You know, do I uh, look at me? You don't have to get their permission. 
Can I tell you something else? You don't even have to announce it to them. I mean, I wouldn't go home today and say, all right, y'all listen, turn down that TV and pay, pay attention to me. Get ready because I'm bringing God in the house. That's probably not going to go good. You don't have to ask anybody's permission. You don't even have to announce it. You can find a time and a place and look for those moments when nobody's home. And you say, they never leave. Find your secret place. And listen, I think it needs to happen at that place. There's so many times throughout redemptive history that we see in scripture where it was from where they were. God came to where they were and set them. The, the Exodus where, where the children of Israel in bondage to Egypt. Although it was the mission of God, the plan of God to deliver them from that. The reason he said that he did it was this. I kept hearing your cries. And so I had to come down and see what the oppression was. And when I saw what it was, I had to deliver you. And so I think from where you are, where you are, find a place and, and do this. Pray from that place. Pray from that place. And, and don't go out in the middle of the living room. Unless you, unless you got it or everybody's good with it. And pray from that place. Cry out to God from that place. Worship in that place. Well, Pastor, the only place I can worship is in the shower. Then lather up, baby, because we're... <laughs> worship, in that, worship in that place. Serious. And can I tell you something? And the other thing you need to do is you need to bend a knee. In that place. You go, Pastor, there's nothing about me that bends anymore. <laughs> well, find some way to bow your heart. But every day, everybody say every day. I think every day at your place, your address, your place, every day. You need to bend your knee. You need to bow yourself before a holy God. And say, God, I need you in this house. And there's really only two times of life that you need to do any of these things. And that's when things are bad. And the other time is when things are, when things are good, you get it, but you're going to have to get God in the house. Now listen to me. It's his presence. that's going to make the difference. It's the presence of God. That's going to make the difference. Not you strutting around wearing a new Bible shirt. <laughs> Look with me in a uh, first Samuel. It says when the Philistines, they were pagans, they were enemies of the people of God. When the Philistines took the ark of God, do you know what the ark of God represented and carried? The presence of God. Everybody say God's presence. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Let me tell you who Dagon is. He was a Philistine fish god. He was an idol. Dagon here is made out of wood or some kind of something. He couldn't, he couldn't help himself, let alone let help them. And so they carved him and painted him and set him up on a little pedestal. And now they brought the ark of God into the same room and set it up. There's no fanfare, no, no talking, no special decorations, no anything, just the presence of God next to Dagon. Let's pick back up. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. Hold up, we're not done. 
So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. They had to help it because it couldn't help itself and certainly couldn't help them. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left to it. All you need is the presence of God. You just need to get the presence of God. And and hear me on this. You don't have to chase out all evil. You just need to usher in the almighty. I'll say it again. You don't need to chase out all evil. It's not your job to go home and get that beer, get that, turn that chant. You know, and you may want to do some of that honestly. But ultimately to get the win on this, you don't have to chase out all evil. You just need to usher in the almighty. Get God in your house. Get God in your house. Number two. Add value to everybody in your house. Add value to everybody in your house. Let me go over this just real quick. You're going to do that by the things you say. And not just by the things you say, but how you say the things you say. You're going to do that. You'll do that by the way you do things and the things that you do. By the way you treat people at your address. How you serve people. Did you know we should be serving one another? Well, let me take a moment then. Did you know we should be serving one another? We should, oh, we've been married a long time. You do your thing. No, we need, to, we need to serve one another. You need to pray for one another. You need to forgive. There should be forgiveness in our homes. I said there should be forgiveness in our homes. If you don't forgive, you've got unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a, is a grudge. A grudge is a spiritual tumor. And you don't need to invite that into your house. We need to add value by the way we think about one another. The way we look at one another. The way we love one another and show love to one another. We should give to one another. You should place honor on people. Don't take honor off of people. Place honor on people in your home. Cheer people on. Encourage them. You know, we've raised five moggets and woggets. When they're little, they come out. I remember Lee, when he was just a little guy, he said, I'm going to be a Christian rapper. He's going to punch me later for this, but. Or he's got a, a trick that he wanted to show us. Or Elise, when she was little, she wanted to show us ballet that she'd made up, you know. And, and all of them had come out to do something. A little mantle by the, a little area right by the, the fireplace was like the stage for them. And they came out and whatever they did, whatever they did, we cheered them on. We just cheered them. When I was coming up, if I come out and did something, they go, what was that? That's stupid. I'm watching TV. That makes you really want to be creative, doesn't it? You know, you know what you need to do? You need to cheer people on. Cheer people. And, and listen, I'm not letting anybody off easy. But if they come home with a report card and they got three A's and two B's and one D, don't just focus on the D. Don't just focus on that. Say, you got an A in this. I never got an A in that. You know, and cheer them on. Encourage people in your house. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Bless people. And you do that with actions and you do that with words. And thank people. There should be a lot of thanks in your house. You do things for one another. You thank one another. 
You know, sometimes just out of the blue, my wife will thank me for providing. Sometimes I'll just thank her. Thank you for keeping such a beautiful, just cozy house. And by the way, one of our core values in our family, cozy. You want to have a cozy, comfortable place? Listen, the most hell you're ever going to have on earth usually is found in a home. Or the most heaven you're ever going to have on earth is going to be found in a home. And let's make it heavenly. Let's make it heavenly. Let me caution you about something too as we add value to the people in our house. And and I don't know how this all happened, but it seems to be epidemic that a lot of family humor is usually at the expense of somebody in the family. And I don't think we should tease too hard and ridicule people and pick on them even for things that they can't help. Feet are too big, your nose is too big, that's too big and that's too small. And just all the things that we would would say to people and just hush it up. Because you either build up or you hush up. Hear me on this. No one should get hurt in your home. No one should get hurt in your home. You should not be creating victims in your home. Home needs to be a place where you add value, add value, add value, encourage, cheer on, help, put honor on, do everything that you can do to add value to them. And in doing doing that, you know what you're doing? You're You're actually filling the chambers and the rooms of your house with precious and pleasant things. And all of us can do that. Amen. And the one last one for this morning. Every time you come and go from your house, you need to declare peace to this house. The Bible says that you can declare a thing and it will be established for you. Every time, every time, all my family will tell you this. And I don't, I don't do it for show. I, will, I don't care what else is going on. We can be in conversation, music. Breaking news, whatever. But every time I back out of my house, I look back at my house and I audibly will declare peace to this house. And every time I pull back up to my house, I look at my house. I pause just slightly in peace to this house. And on tough days, I back out of the driveway, peace to this house. And I drive around the cul-de-sac and I go, and peace to this house. And I (laughs) I'm joking. In Luke chapter 10, verse 5, it says, But whatever house you enter, whatever house, why not my house then? Whatever house you enter, first say to this house, peace to this house. Everybody say it. Peace to this house. Not just something you think, not just something you hope, not just, ah, it really won't matter. I'm telling you. Now, I don't know what all's involved in it, but Jesus said to do it. And, and there's something powerful about it. I believe in it enough that I've been doing it for years and years and years. Every time I leave and every time I go, peace to this house. You know when a good time to start doing that would be? Today. Today, when you, when you get back at home. And, and men, listen, if you're, you're here and you're driving, you're pulling up to the house, you, you don't have to make a big show. You don't have to be weird about, well, I don't, I'm going to feel a little... My kids might think I'm weird or something. Listen to me. They already think you're weird. So, so you just need to make it matter of fact. Peace to this house. And don't look around all nervous in there. Just peace to this house. And whoever you are and whatever you, you live by yourself, peace to this house. You're living with a den of pirates. Peace. <laughs> To this house. Are y'all hearing me? So get God in your house. Add value to everybody at your address. And every time you come and go, declare peace to this house. And I believe the Prince of Peace is going to add his peace to where you stay. 
And listen, you don't have to have a majority or a vote in your house for that to happen. Wherever you are, God will come. Wherever you are, God will come. Get God in your house, add value, declare peace to your house. Just to wrap up this morning, in order to have a healthy home, happy home, a godly home, there are certain things that you need to do. There's some things that you need to not do. How many of you would figure that out? There's some things you need to start doing. There's some things you're going to need to stop doing. And remember, this is about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So there's going to be some real practical things that are going to connect with some real powerful spiritual things. That's going to bring some hope and some help to your home. But you can do all the right things and avoid all the wrong things. But if you don't have a big God, none of that's going to matter or last. If this is just kind of a religious information kind of thing and you go home and just kind of... No, no, you're going to have to have a big God. What do you mean, Pastor, have a, have a big God? Isn't he already big? Yeah, he's more big than you can imagine. But I'm talking about how big is he in your heart? How big is he in your mind? How, when you think of God, how big is he? Blaise Pascal, he was a French mathematician, Christian philosopher. He said this, God created man in his own image. And then man repaid the favor. Think about it. God created man in his own image. And then man created it, returned the favor. Man so often creates God in his image. What does that mean? I think sometimes we limit God and think he's somehow like we are. Well, if God is like we are then no wonder we don't put a lot of trust in him because he's inconsistent and moody and easily distracted and conflicted. If he's like we are, if he's like I am, are y'all here? And what you need to do is let God be God and let God be big. No wonder we don't have real faith for God to come into my house and take care of stuff. And to protect me and to guide me and to cover my kids that can be states away. Because he's big. He's God. Are are you hearing me this morning? And And if you only knew how much he loved you. If you only knew the difference that he wants to make. The amazing, mind boggling, supernatural things that he wants to do for you. That he's able to do for you. Even in your home, no matter what it is. No matter what the mess might would be right now. Or if everything is actually pretty decent. You need to have a big God, big God. Everybody say big God. You got to have a big God and get that big God into your house. And even if you're the only one there, you and him, that's majority folks. That's majority. And it's his presence. that's going to make the difference. And then you add value to the people, add value. There should be something about your house that when other people don't live there, when they come in, they should sense it. There've been times and we've heard stories too, or, Sometimes somebody would go into a house and you could tell in that house, harsh words have been spoken here. There's times you can go into a house and say, there's some, there's some real mess going on here. But so the times you can go into a house and it's like, I I think I want to stay here a while. You know, it's just like sometimes you go to somebody's house and you can tell they cooked fish last night. Or you go, do y'all make vitamins in here? You know, it's like. And then other times it's like, oh, this is wonderful. Let our homes have heaven on earth. And we've got a lot to do with that.
Get God in your house. Add value. Every time you come and go, declare peace to this house. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today?